This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience. And just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Eva Murray, who is the lead evangelist for the EMEA region at Snowflake. So Eva, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So look, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into, I guess, their background and journey up until this point, which um, yours is a fascinating journey. So I'm looking forward to hearing it, and I'm sure the the audience will be too. So if you could uh, be so kind. Sure. Uh, Yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, where I came from and what got me to today, which is as an evangelist at Snowflake based out of London and looking after the EMEA region, is actually something that didn't start with data. Um, I originally intended to go into HR consulting. um, And when I joined Deloitte in New Zealand 11 years ago, they said, here we go, you're doing IT consulting. And I really freaked out. Uh, I'm so glad that they made that decision, but I was really worried at the time. And there was this, you know, obviously giant surge of imposter syndrome thinking, I didn't even study anything computer related. How am I going to do this? I had done HR and psychology and accounting. And that moment actually was really helpful for my personal growth because I thought they are really successful in what they do. Maybe I should just trust their judgment because I'm sure they have some sort of plan behind this. So I immersed myself into this challenge of learning um, a lot of things on the fly, and it was great. And what I really enjoyed about starting in IT consulting was what, you know, like um, information systems consulting, doing analytics, was that people welcomed you. The clients welcomed you. They were excited to have you there because you typically helped them improve their systems and their processes. You brought something new. You helped them solve some problem rather than, the, the projects I had in mind originally, which were more around changing people structures, which is never all that um, nice for the people in the organization. So glad that worked out. And from there, I kind of just took, took it one step at a time. So I started in consulting. Then I wanted to really work in the industry. And I particularly wanted to work in banking and finance because I thought there's going to be great data challenges. Uh, moved to Sydney, joined Commonwealth Bank and worked there as a business analyst. So I got exposure to a lot of different parts of the part of the business that I was in um, and got my first taste of Tableau. And I realized this is really interesting. This is a fun tool to use and something that really connected with me where it's not just about spreadsheets. It's actually about stories, finding some solutions to problems and working closely with the business on helping them use this insights to do something with it. So I decided I want to do this all the time. 
and joined a local consulting company to just focus on Tableau and became a Tableau trainer and consultant. Uh, did that for a year because I already had plans to move back to Europe. Then joined a database company in Germany, uh, spent four and a half years there, and then most recently last year joined Snowflake. So I've seen the consulting world, the customer side of things when it comes to data, or the industry side, but also the vendor side. And I really enjoy working in a software company because you get to have lots of different customers, you get to work with partners, you get to be at the you know leading edge of developing technology, not me personally, but I get to see what my colleagues are doing and then promote that and help people figure out how they can use that in their organizations. Yeah, very interesting journey. And as you said, it's, uh, it's, it is fairly unusual to have the experience of working across an end user organization and a consulting business and a vendor. So um, looking forward to getting into the, the kind of bulk of today's um, chat. Now, obviously, this is the part where I usually say to our guests, tell us a little bit about XXX and the company they work for. And obviously, often that makes me sound a little bit stupid when, you know, you invite people on the podcast to, you know, work at big name brands like Snowflake or Google or Microsoft or things like that. But I guess um, there's probably a lot to Snowflake that a lot of the listeners don't know necessarily. So I think it'd be useful for you just to give us a, you know, a, a kind of quick overview on what Snowflake is and I guess the problems it's trying to address in the industry, if, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I think most people probably have heard of Snowflake in the context of a cloud-based data warehouse. Um, and that's for quite some time was how we pitched ourselves, but Snowflake has become so much more than that. And we now talk about the data cloud um, as a place where your data lives, where um, your analytics happens, your data science, where connections and, and data sharing happen as well. Um, so for me, uh, the technology was of course, a key reason to join the company because I saw so much potential in what they were doing. Um, there is the data warehousing side, absolutely, where we you know help organizations create a data warehouse for their for their data. Um, it's all cloud-based. And there is also so much more. So I mentioned data science and I mentioned analytics. You can do that directly in Snowflake. Um, you can you can you know run machine learning models. Uh, using other tools as well. So connecting the tools you already use with Snowflake underneath. Um, we have a data marketplace where organizations share data. So some you know, have made it their business, of course, to monetize data and to sell that to organizations to use, you know, think of weather data, mobility data, et cetera. And then other organizations can use that data to enrich their own analyses and figure out, okay, why are customers behaving a certain way on certain days or when there's certain weather? Um, but more than that, it's a chance for anyone who uses Snowflake to share data, whether it's within the organization, between specific organizations, or you know, within your business ecosystem, but also to provide it to the data marketplace. And that has opened up really interesting new business models for a number of organizations that previously hadn't considered, considered doing that with their data. So um, whether they give it away for free or they charge for it, that's up to them. But there is that opportunity, and um, there are organizations building really exciting applications on top of Snowflake and making that the core of their product. So that's another really exciting avenue, and that's where we see a lot of engagement with startups as well. 
Um, and I'm, I'm trying to just condense everything into a few short sentences. Uh, we have our own customer conference coming up next week in Vegas, Nopex Summit, and that's going to be so exciting because there's a lot of new stuff coming out, but also thinking about the people and what they're doing with Snowflake and what they're going to present. Uh, my brain is kind of buzzing with that, and I think mm -hmm. following that, people will see a lot more of what we do. Um, so it's helping organizations do whatever it is they want to do with their data, whether that's structured, semi-structured data, unstructured data, and working with it in a really efficient way um, through cloud-based, making it convenient. I like to think back to how I myself use data or information. Um, I recently got given a USB key, and I thought, what am I going to do with this? I do everything in the cloud now, and I think organizations are moving to doing as much as possible in the cloud because it's just so much easier to manage. They can be much more hands-off when it comes to infrastructure. They can focus on their core business rather than you know, managing servers and standing up environments. And that's what we're all about, helping organizations do amazing things with their data with very uh, little management effort and more focus on the value-added tasks. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's um, it's been an interesting journey because I don't think if you were to... You know, most businesses, they're either they've moved to the cloud, they're in the transition of moving to the cloud, or they're planning on moving to the cloud. I don't think I've spoken to many businesses who are kind of saying, yeah, you know, we're going to stay on-prem. And um, from everything that I hear in the industry, a lot of successful use cases have come out of migrating to, to Snowflake. So, um, so yeah, that's been, been really good to hear. So, I guess... Um, Tell us a little bit about your role then, because you've got a fantastic job title and I, and I daren't try to say it again in case I uh, tongue-tie myself. But um, what 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 do you do day-to-day? -day? What is what is your job? Yeah, so as an evangelist, for me, it's about selling the vision and selling the art of the possible. So I want to inspire organisation to think about what else they could do with their data and what else their people could do, really, focusing not just about not just on the, the tools and the processes, but heavily on the people and enabling them and empowering them. So that's the high-level view. What that boils down to in terms of actual tasks and practical steps I take is a lot of content creation, which I really enjoy. So I write articles, blog posts, um, longer pieces, like maybe a white paper, um, create a lot of presentations, I record videos, I create demos, anything uh, that will help me get the word out and help people understand something that is inherently somewhat complex, but that needs to be simplified so that people understand, okay, this is what the value is, this is what I can do it. And I think our product is really good at making it easy to use. But behind the scenes, of course, there's complexities, actually creating simplicity in the front end, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, so my job is really about engaging with a lot of people it does come almost before marketing. So trying to build general awareness, helping people recognize the brand and what we do and understand what the technology can be used for and what it does. And then supporting that by showing up at events, doing presentations, panel discussions, fireside chats, any kind of format of public speaking, but also a lot of my own initiatives. So I work closely with the marketing team on supporting them at events. But I also come up with things myself, um, whether that's, you know, written content, any kind of things on social media where I engage with others, 
or things internally that might be really helpful, you know, enablement on certain topics for my colleagues or for partners or for customers. So I do engage with partners as well and with customers, whether that's doing a joint presentation at an event or speaking at a internal, let's call it a data day. So they might focus a day on, uh, you know, putting something on for their data analysts, the data engineers, their data visualization people to learn, to you know, being able to hear something new, be inspired. So showing up at those events as well and sharing what I know. Yeah. So that's really, really interesting. Um, sounds like a job I'd love to do, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think anyone's going to pay me to be uh, to be doing that. But um, but look, I think one of the key reasons we wanted to get you onto the podcast today and as when we spoke offline, right, there's roles now out there like yours that exist and a whole you know, a whole variety of other roles like the data journalist and the data translator, which um, in essence has started to move the needle away from this kind of incessant obsession around you need to be a data scientist or you need to be X to be able to work in the industry. And I think obviously roles like this that come up, obviously you've got a background in data, so maybe not the best example, but, you know, it's it's not always now about needing to be completely technical. And I think we're always intrigues but fascinates me is that on our side of the fence in what in terms of what we do from a talent and people perspective we're constantly talking about you know the the scarcity of talent and how competitive the market is and everyone's trying to find you know those unicorns and the senior people and there's not enough people to fill up you know the demand and x y and z um yet we're not contemplating other ways of getting people into our industry um but there are a lot of people out there with skills that are very transferable that could come into our industry and do some of these more non-technical related jobs which i know is kind of you know one of the things that you your content speaks to quite a lot so i guess how can people from outside the industry position themselves to get in i guess you've got look of the draw by you know being thrust into it without knowing what it was um but how can other people start to try and position themselves to, you know, enter the industry? Maybe, you know, that aren't a data scientist or haven't studied computer science, for example. The key thing for me was seeing opportunities. So I could have equally said, oh, my God, I don't want to do IT consulting. Please put me in this other team. Sure, it was a bit of a leap of faith, but I've always had an interest in things like, you know, digital, online, the Internet. So I wasn't a, a Luddite when I started. but I certainly wasn't confident. And for me, it was about seeing opportunities. So when I when I moved to Australia and I found this job in a bank, it didn't say anything about specific um, you know, Tableau or something on the resume. I mean, this was in 2013. So Tableau themselves were just small in Australia in terms of their presence as well. But when I then had the opportunity to evaluate this and to do things like attending meetups and all that, I just threw myself into it. And I think it's important to recognize, oh, this could be an avenue. So the first step I would say for people who want to work well with data, but currently don't seem to do that in their job is to recognize you're probably already working with data. If you work in a, let's say a fast food restaurant as a student and you have orders being taken, every time you create an order, you are creating data. And When you put in, you know, when you press the button that's easiest rather than the one that's most accurate, you're creating bad data. So what you do at the front line really matters in terms of data quality all the way down through the chain until the very end point where the data analyst has to evaluate the sales and say which products are performing really well. 
So everyone at some point works with data. You might be maintaining a spreadsheet for your team. Maybe it's the number of, you know, there's there's some calls being logged. Maybe you create a couple of charts from it or you just, you know, talk about it in a meeting. This is all about data. I think the, a really useful first step is to recognize how much data you're already working with. And, you know, text is data. Like a lot of stuff is data. And how could you um, learn more about what you're already doing and how to maybe have more of an analyst mindset on that. So um, building analytical skills and finding more opportunities to work with data and finding people around you who are maybe data analysts or business analysts or data engineers and just talking a little bit about them, or sorry, to them about their work to understand how did they get into it? What are they doing? What do they find difficult? What do they enjoy about it? And how could you learn more um, about that kind of work. If there is absolutely no idea, sorry, no, no option in your work to really work with data and do analysis, you know, maybe you are um, a referee on the pitch and the only data you have is, you know, who you gave a yellow card to. So there isn't really much in terms of digital interactions. Well, maybe you can do an online course. There's a lot of free online courses and you'll have to, you know, evaluate the quality, maybe look at some reviews. But starting with something that helps you become a bit analytical and a really good one to also do is to learn about statistics, the basics of statistics. And I know that always sounds a bit scary because uh, many people are a bit traumatized from high school math, uh, myself included, but statistics is going to be the absolute necessary foundation for any meaningful numerical analysis that you do so understanding the basics and understanding relationships between data and that kind of stuff is really helpful. So even finding a course on, let's say, Udemy or LinkedIn Learning about, you know, Statistics 101 will be a really good start. Um, and last point or last recommendation on this question is to connect with other people. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, I publish a bunch of content. If you find that useful, you know, read that but also look into my network and connect with the people that are commenting or the people that I follow because they're probably going to be data people of some sort. So that way you can grow your network as well. Yeah. Yeah. The networking point is something that I want to come on to um, for sure in a, in a moment, Eva, I guess in terms of people wanting to get into the industry, I'm quite vocal on LinkedIn about this topic as well. I think as an industry, we need to do more to um, raise awareness that we as an industry exist to people that, you know, aren't necessarily looking for us. So as an example, um, here at Orbition, we do uh, involved in a couple of work placement programs with universities where we help, we give them access to our network basically for free so that we can put students on work placements um, and, one of the things that I do as part of that is I go into the universities and do a bit of public speaking around the data industry in its entirety and, you know, what it entails and why people should be thinking about getting into it. And what gobsmacks me often is that, again, we're an industry that is talent short, yet there's people out there that are doing courses that they're not, you know, they're not computer science um, students, but they might be doing, you know, they might be social sciences faculties where they do quantitative analysis day in, day out. They've got the foot core fundamentals of what it would take to maybe get a foot through the door in our industry, yet they don't even know it exists, right? So how how do you kind of go about, uh, I guess, what what do we need to be doing to kind of convince these people that now is a good time to consider 
the data analytics industry as an industry to be in, even though they might not necessarily have thought that that's a place for, for me to start my career. It's a really good point. And I actually had a conversation recently with a woman who is doing final, final, uh, finishing her um, psychology degree. And she hadn't really considered anything outside the traditional avenues of research or becoming a psychologist. And that really was surprising for me. And I think what we need to do is probably push the universities to have more or create more opportunities for the students to actually meet with people from the world outside of academia and hear what they're doing, what the jobs are. I think we as an industry need to do a better job. Uh, and that includes us vendors, it includes you know, industry, it includes, includes consulting companies, for example, to actually showcase the jobs. Like, you know, I described my job and I recently wrote an article about what's involved. And I try to make it as visible as possible what I do. And I'm happy to talk about it anytime. But I think we need more of that. We need analysts to talk about like literally what is involved in a job and maybe showing what skills are required for some of those tasks. You know, you can't obviously um, write this lengthy paper on, on everything in your job, but just some examples, because for most people in university and for me, it was the same. I just had no idea what's out there and what that would feel like, even though I had an office job for most of my degree. So I, I was surrounded by professionals, but still didn't quite click. So if we can do a better job of creating job profiles and and sharing that any kind of any background could really go into analytics. I've, I've worked with so many interesting people. I've worked with an artist from Cirque du Soleil who got into you know um, strategy consulting, worked with a uh, pharmacist, worked with marketing people, uh, with people who studied religion or history or English. Like any, what you get out of university is critical thinking a structured approach, you understand how to do research, you understand how to write essays and how to communicate in writing. Um, you probably have some, you know, statistics or some kind of foundational knowledge of statistics, marketing, business, those kind of things. That is what you come up with. No specific skills required. My first day at Deloitte, they literally said to us, you know nothing and we know that you know nothing. We will teach you everything you need to know. Like, <laughs> they didn't expect us to have knowledge on how to do our job they just wanted to have smart people in the room who they could push to do things so um yeah if we can be clearer on what does an analyst do what does a business analyst do what's the difference between a data analyst and a business analyst and a data engineer and a visualization analyst like all those kind of things um i think that would be really helpful and it would make us as businesses also it would force us to be clearer on what some of those expectations are and what kind of people we're looking for. So that could be a great first step. And on the flip side, for students or people who just entered the workforce and maybe are in a transition period of still looking, to come to events, to career fairs, to industry events. There's a lot of free ones as well. You know, For example, Big Data London, you can attend for free and have a look around. Talk to 10 vendors or 10 um, exhibitors at these expo halls and ask them what they do and what kind of people they're looking for. Try and do a bit of research ahead of time and see who's most interesting in terms of the product and talk to them. The more questions you ask, the more answers you'll get and the clearer the picture will be. Yeah, 100% agree. I think 
broadly speaking, right, if you look across most data people, whether they've come from a very traditional, you know, course of study or otherwise, you know, some of the the most well-known data leaders on the planet have come from things like geography, right? You know, it's a, a very popular background just because of the nature of how they study and what they have to do. But um, really the industry needs and is looking for inquisitive people that like to provide solutions to problems. That, but beneath the surface, that's it. I think, you know, from my experience with public speaking at universities and, and such like, they often get put off by the job descriptions. You know, it's, it's, it's Python, it's SQL, it's X, Y, Z, and it's very, well, I don't have that, so therefore that's not applicable to me. So there's definitely a play in there around, you know, we need to be better at articulating what we actually want from these jobs. Um, I know, obviously, you spent time as a business analyst, and this is just me thinking out loud here, but um, did, did that kind of experience help to shape you on some of the softer skills that have now led you to the kind of role that, that you've had? Because I know, obviously, you've obviously been a, you know, by all accounts, a Tableau super user, right? So very technical in, in that space, but um, then, a, you know, a, a BA, obviously more communication, storytelling, all that type of, of, of stuff as well. So has, has that kind of shaped your your journey somewhat? It definitely has. And one thought that just popped into my mind is when I when I studied and I did psychology, um, I come from a family where there's, it's almost split in half. There's teachers and there's doctors slash healthcare professionals. And I felt really almost guilty going into the world of business uh, because I thought I want to help people. I love working with people and I love helping people. And you know what? I get to help so many people and it's been amazing. So working as a business analyst, uh, I had to work with a number of different stakeholders in the business, understand their problems. So I had to you know, learn um, how to listen, how to assimilate the information, how to ask questions, not just take it at face value and go away and build something, but rather, okay, what are you trying to do with this? What are you? How are you going to use this information so that I could create something that is most useful for them? And then I had to learn how to present information, how to take feedback on board, how to coordinate between the business and, at the time, the more IT users who would help me create some of the data sets that I needed for my analysis. So there's a lot of communication, verbal, written, uh, presentations, public speaking. And then I took that into the next job and I thought, okay, I've got those skills, but I want to hone down onto this Tableau thing. So when I then learned to become a Tableau trainer, it's about not just teaching someone to use a software, but everything that kind of goes with it and showing the enthusiasm that I have for it to build their excitement and actually using the tool. Because it's no use teaching someone to use Tableau or another tool if they don't enjoy using it. You have to make them absolute fans because then they're going to maximize their use of it and the business gets more return on their investment into that software bringing the enthusiasm and, and just really focusing, becoming more of an expert. And I think bringing that now into my job, that brings me back to helping people. I get to help people in you know, their day-to-day -day work, but also something that I'm really passionate about is helping people build their careers in this industry. And especially women, because, well, I am a woman, I've experienced a bunch of things and a lot of those experiences have been amazing. And the others, well, I've learned from, and I want to help other people maybe skip some of the stumbling blocks and make their own experience a bit um, more positive or streamlined. And I've 
through my involvement with the, you know, with the tabloid community and beyond, I've been able to help people build their careers. I might not have fixed, you know, mental health problems or broken bones, but to me, it's just as satisfying because the feedback I get is, you know, people have turned their lives around. They're like, oh, I finally found a job I love. And if I've played a small part in that, I can't ask for more. And I get to work for a super technical company in a nerdy profession, which I enjoy, and I still get to help people. So it's really helped me recognize that helping people comes in very different forms. It's it's not just the altruistic, it's not just in healthcare or you know putting your life on the line, which are all honorable, um, not the field I chose to go into and probably for the better. I think I'm good at my job and I really enjoy it. And um, yeah, I get to help people, which is really fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, nice. I guess what I, what I've taken away from from that kind of little insight there, Eva, is that um, you know you don't necessarily need to have technical skills to be able to get into the industry, and there's a lot of other you know quotation marks soft skills that are really important throughout this um, throughout this journey that organisations are going on with data analytics. But also, it's not impossible to learn to become super technical in a specific area, right? I think that's that's often a, a barrier to entry that people think, well, if you know, if I don't know how to code, then I can't use this tool. And therefore, you know, they just revert into going to something else. And we're losing potentially really good people from our industry who are deciding to do other things because they perceive that they can't get into our industry, which is really uh yeah, really frustrating, I, I guess. So um you've spoken about networking a few times now right and and kind of leveraging your network and where to go and look and this type of stuff just give us the kind of high level what's the importance of networking in your opinion what's your experience been and i guess how do you go about starting out on that journey because again that seems to me from the outside looking in and conversations i have um people kind of want to do it but they don't know where to start and when they don't know where to start they often don't right yeah, networking is really important. And what I would love for all of us to forget is, oh, it's this like exchange of, oh, I give do you a favor, you give me a favor. Like it's it's not a transactional hardcore business thing. It's about building connections with other people and building a community around you, but also becoming part of existing communities. And for me, networking, I didn't really start when I was at university, at least not as much as I could have, but after that, I was, I think I became really good at networking internally, building connections with colleagues, you know, up and down the hierarchy and being known for something, whatever that thing may be, um, offering my help, uh, you know, being a contributor, putting my hand up for projects, but also knowing when somebody else would actually be a better fit and maybe nudging them to do the same. So being a team player and being a contributor, but networking it is important and what's important is not so much how many people you know and connect with but nurturing those relationships because at some point ideally you are in a position where you don't have to apply for a job because through your network you can let certain people know that you're looking for your next opportunity and sure you might still have to submit a cv for the formality of things but your network should be doing the work for you because they know you they know your work, they know what you do and how good you are. So that's for me, the goal of networking. And what I would say is always offer something and it can be tiny because in the beginning of your career, you might think, well, I don't really have anything to offer, but I'm trying to ask for something in return. 
this, the thing you can offer can be as small as a compliment. You could, so you might reach out to somebody who wrote um, a great blog post or who wrote a book and you want to connect with them and you, know, you think you have nothing to offer. Well, tell them what you thought about their work because most people, even the most famous authors out there, they really enjoy some genuine feedback on the work they've done. And now with social media, with LinkedIn and especially Twitter, it's never been easier to actually reach out to anyone. You might not get a response, but you can you can reach out. So, you know, going out there, introducing yourself, maybe saying, well, always in a LinkedIn invite, putting why you would like to connect, especially if the other person doesn't know you. And it's enough to just say, hey, I read your post, it really resonated, I took away ABC, or even just one thing. People really like that. And I think it's a good sign to, you know, in terms of your communication skills as well. And then now, because we can go to events in person again, doing that, meeting people, it's going to be a bit scary. I still find it intimidating to be in an environment where I know nobody. But just striking up a conversation and and practicing that, because the more you practice it, the easier it will get. And finding different types of events and different types of networks as well. You know, they could be very senior, they could be more aimed at students or you know, people at the beginning of their career, but just doing the practice and connecting with people and then keeping those connections that are most meaningful to you, keeping those going with regular exchanges as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big advocate of um trying to, you know, nudge people towards getting outside of their comfort zone. You know, I speak a lot about the, the value of you know building a personal brand and what that can do for you and you know that doesn't mean that you need to be stood on stage at Wembley speaking to 80,000 people right there's a whole host of different things that you could be doing even just things that you do very well either right around posting content around you know your experience and you know all of this type of of good stuff um which makes perfect sense one thing I want to try and kind of draw the conversation towards then is the topic of kind of democratizing data because we as with a lot of things in our industry there's a whole host of buzzwords that start to to come up and um you know this has been one but i think for a very you know uh, valid cause where we're kind of on this journey to try and to, to 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 do that so how does democratizing data in your opinion truly lead to a kind of data driven or data enabled business if that makes sense yeah it's, it comes with two sides. So I want to kind of cage that right from the beginning. So on the one hand, yes, we want to encourage organizations to democratize data, making it available to more people in the business so they can use it to, for example, do analyses um, to help them make better decisions, to make maybe faster decisions, but also more well-informed decisions. On the other hand, it also comes with an obligation on the people using the data. Like in a democracy, um, you know, we as citizens, when we get the right to vote, well, we also have an obligation to at least be of a certain age, but maybe also there's some education element around it. So when it comes to data, if we give access to many people in the business, we need to make sure they have training and enablement so that they understand how to best use the data. And the people need to be responsible for absorbing that knowledge and doing the right things so that they are being responsible in their use of data. They 
understand the basics of statistics before publishing their analyses and their findings. So we we have just a basic check of is this about right um, before people make certain claims or publish things or use data and information for making decisions that could have far-reaching consequences. So the, the people in the organization need to rely on, hey, I can access the data, I need to do my job, but also I have the knowledge that the organization can rely on my skills to be good enough to do this in a responsible way. Yeah, that makes um, that makes perfect sense. I guess we're starting to then creep into the realms there of data literacy to a certain extent, and we've had a um, an intriguing journey with you know the data academy right in terms of you know we noticed a few of the the bigger enterprises creating data academies that in my opinion when they were first formed were platforms to bring in more junior people um who were going to work in the data analytics team give them a kind of career and, and kind of roadmap for development and then we kind of have seen that shift quite a lot over the last few years for it to be more about the business you know and this whole data literacy piece plays a, a central part in, in in that so just tie that together for us the democratization of data and data literacy and i guess there's probably a you know something about adoption in <laughs> in there somewhere as well right but just tie all that together for us sure so data literacy of course, it's all about understanding how you use data, how you interpret it, how you communicate it as well. So having people understand the, and I always want to say the basics, because it's not about everyone being an absolute power user and a qualified statistician, but knowing what's right and what's wrong. Um, so you can, so to speak, call bullshit on, on numbers or on conclusions is really important. So giving everyone that basic understanding before unleashing them on the data is really important. And I think then the data democratization piece can be really successful because people will take their knowledge. They will probably have a lot of enthusiasm to do work that they haven't been able to do before or access data they haven't been able to access before and to drive some new insights for the organization. And what that will lead to is if we can enable and train more people in the organization to be citizen data analysts and citizen data scientists, as we call the people, you know, when, they, when they're not professionally qualified or trained, but they have done additional training as part of their job to learn the basics, um, then we see more adoption of tools that make things possible. So when we look at visualization, whether people learn how to use Tableau or Power BI, Thoughtsbook or other tools proficiently so that they can go out and do great things with them, we'll see more adoption and more people using the tools. And that's what we want because then we're actually maximizing the investment that we've made as an organization into analytics. Similar with you know maybe things behind the scenes in data engineering, if we can teach people the basics of SQL and then help them learn more and more, we will probably find people who never thought about programming languages or doing this kind of work really enjoying it. Uh, I find as adults, we suddenly were like, oh, I never liked this in school, but now it's suddenly fun because there's a reason for doing it. I finally understood it, whatever it might be. So that the data literacy and the effort of training the people, I think it's going to open up many new avenues for people that are already in the jobs to diversify, to, you know, 
um, grow what they're doing to really enhance their own work um, and carve new careers for themselves in that organization, but also deliver really good outcomes from a data perspective and to you know, drive insights that could lead to innovation, new products, improved products and processes and better outcomes for customers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think there's enough being done in the industry to tackle this subject as of as of today? I think it's a mixed bag. I I get to see a lot of what's happening, and I think there are a number of, especially the larger organisations that can afford the resources to put on formalised programmes. They're doing great work. And what I've also seen, and it's really encouraging, is a willingness to share what they're doing and for others to be able to replicate that for their own environment. I think the ones that are struggling are the ones we probably don't see because they're not necessarily talking about it. It might be smaller organizations that simply don't have the bandwidth. If you only have two analysts, how can you maybe train another two people while they're already doing a full-time job of keeping the lights on? So it's about building the capacity internally but also having connections externally you know, to people like you and your organization, but also others that can provide some of that training to just get out of the limbo of, oh, we're just doing BIU, we have no capacity for more. We want to end up in this you know, future where we have more people enabled, but the in-between bit is missing. So there are companies that facilitate that, whether that's through consulting or specific just external training that staff can attend to then bring the skills back in-house. And I think we need to do more around that middle that is currently not visible, where people want to do the right things, but they don't have the capacity because of maybe the size and the resources. But also, as we're emerging from a pandemic, for some of them, it's just not been a priority. But if they don't make it a priority, they're going to be left behind because everyone else or the bigger players are accelerating so much faster. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So obviously, we um, very recently launched our mentorship program, which was designed for basically junior practitioners in the industry that were in that exact scenario that, that you just outlined. And, you know, as you very rightly said, outside of some of the major enterprises, most businesses, data team might be quite small, a few people, you know, they don't have the time, resource, energy, money, whatever the case may be to be putting these people through some kind of formal training and qualification that you know that's the data people themselves we're not even yet talking about the business users and things like that right so we felt it was important to try and aid that process by giving these people access to thought leaders from within our industry who can kind of help them on their journey and to just be more aware about certain things which um you know is is obviously great but yeah I'm, i'm with you on this i think we probably need to be a bit tighter as a collective to start driving these initiatives on a, on a larger scale. Um, I want to bring us back then and try and tie the topic of people and learning with kind of literacy and adoption and, you know, value essentially. How can these kind of, you know, people that are maybe not data scientists, they've not come from a computer science background um, or something very similar, you know, so these non-technical people how can they help to drive us forward with some of these kind of literacy initiatives i'd say creating a collection of all the questions they had at the beginning um when they started using data more when they started maybe becoming data analysts or data engineers or if that's their current process keeping track of what do you not know what do you need to know and what are you struggling to find because if it's not as easy as doing a Google search, well, then that requires a bit more effort. So 
um, if if we as an as an industry of let's say seasoned professionals can better understand what the hurdles are in the beginning, because for us they were probably a bit different. Um, for me, it was well a number of things didn't exist yet. But I had good connections to people who could help me. Well, somebody might not have good connections. So how can we help them find those connections? Like we said, through this mentorship program and, you know, with industry experts and the like. So um, a first step could be write down all your questions uh, because the chances are that other people have the same questions. And then it's about being the first, putting your hand up and actually leading things. And quite often the learning happens while you're doing it and while you're teaching others. Teaching others is a great way to test whether you've understood something. So let's say um, you work in an organization, there are a number of people who would really like to get more into data, but no one knows where to start. Well, pick a topic, any topic. It could be that you want to learn about you know, the basics of statistics. Let's say the difference, or, you know, um, difference of a, between a mean and a median. Well, research that topic and then teach the others. And then everyone does that. So teaching each other because it forces you to learn in a different way and to really understand it and be able to communicate it back. And that way you can tick off a number of topics maybe each week and continue that process, but also document what you're learning and share that in the organization, make that available to anyone. So it becomes a really good knowledge base. And then if there are topics that are really important and no one's really ready to tackle them because maybe they're too advanced, find someone in the industry online and LinkedIn on Twitter and ask them if they would be willing to teach for half an hour over Zoom or maybe in person. Would The worst they'll say is no, but chances are, and what I've experienced is this wider community is very giving when they're really excited about their job and they're passionate they love to teach others and to talk about the work they do so use that to your advantage reach out to them and see who you can bring in to teach and then that brings momentum and I think once you have momentum you'll have so many ideas of which areas you should kind of cover first in more detail that are important for your business I think it really then becomes a an, an engine that powers itself. You just have to get over that first hump. And I think it just requires even just one or two people with enthusiasm and a willingness to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to try and end then, Eva, on this idea of kind of collaboration and, and sharing. Um, and I guess we can try and look at this in, in its kind of holistic and entirety. But I know, obviously, you mentioned at the start of the conversation. Snowflake has created a marketplace specifically designed for this. So what's the, what you know, why should data leaders out there or business leaders that are investing heavily in building these capabilities to drive business value and better informed decisions and so on and so forth? What What's the, what's the carrot at the end of that stick, you know, as the reason to why they should be looking at more collaboration and sharing around data? For me, with collaboration, there's so much opportunity and potential for new ideas and innovation because when you suddenly put 10 people on a problem instead of just one, you have 10 brains and all of their ideas. And what I've experienced is you put a couple of people together to solve a problem, it's going to be so much better than if they two, if they both did it separately and then came together afterwards and combined their ideas um, because it spurs on the conversation and the thinking. And you're also bringing together different skills and talents. So you might have in the same room a data engineer, an analyst, a data scientist, a business expert, someone, you know, from like outside the business and and having them, 
you know, discuss, figure out what the problems are and do it in real time in the room or virtually is really beneficial. And I've experienced it myself actually at a number of hackathons where deliberately the teams are put together to bring those different skills together. People who are, you know, maybe super technical, but completely removed from the, the business problem. I've done it mostly in sports where I might not have knowledge of, um, you know, rugby league. This was in Australia, but I can visualize data and I can communicate. And I will ask very different questions than a sports people who, sorry, a sports person who might have certain assumptions of what people in the audience will know. So bringing the diversity together, and this is actually, yeah, it brings a diversity as well. People from different backgrounds and different job types and levels of knowledge and also levels of experience. You know, someone who's completely new to the business will have very different perspectives than someone who's been there for 10 years. And the value of what comes out of this is so great and has so much potential. And sure, you might then still have to refine it. It's not going to be perfectly polished after just a couple of sessions, but the ideas it generates are immense. Yeah. You made a a very good point there around diversity. And I think obviously it's a, it's a huge topic in our industry at the moment, and and rightly so. Um, but when we talk about diversity, normally we start to think about you know gender or the color of someone's skin or their religion or whatever the case may be. But I guess bringing it back to this conversation, you know, diverse um, people, background, skills, experience that come together to tackle these topics are, um, I think that's an area that businesses are now starting to really see okay, this is the way forward now, rather than just us hiring, you know, a team of 10 data scientists and letting them loose on a, on a project. As you said, they can have, you know, someone from the business, you know, a business analyst, there's a data analyst, there's, you know, a, a whole host of different skills and experience in that room tackling the same problem together. That is now starting to open up more opportunities for people that may at one point in time being a little bit scared shall we say to think about entering the industry because there is a place for them now at the table right whereas you know maybe five years ago it was less so 10 years ago it was even even less so so i think that's a a really good really good point to make so last question for me then either in terms of culture and this is something i've been asking pretty much everyone that we get on the podcast over over recent weeks but i think um intrigues me because you know, similar to our line of work, your line of work gives you access to look at a whole variety of businesses, different size, different scales, different sectors, et cetera. Um, what do you think kind of constitutes having a true data culture? Have you seen anything out there that's, you know, kind of opened your eyes and gone, that looks like it's worked? I'd say it, it's when data is part of every conversation. And that sounds a bit extreme, but I don't, I don't mean necessarily a good morning chip, the coffee machine, but rather the decision-making conversations should feature data in some way. And it should almost feel effortless. And it's something uh, that I really enjoyed when I started at Snowflake is coming to a meeting, no matter what, te- whether that was in marketing or in sales, data was always involved. And what was also visible to me as someone who has experience with data is even people who don't have a bad data background or a lot of training in data, they made the effort to show up with data and to talk at least about their numbers. And they were open to being challenged and asked about, oh, are you sure this number is correct? Or how is it, you know, how is this different from last month, et cetera? So seeing that everyone does that was really encouraging. 
because we should, you know, we are essentially a data and technology company. So we should be using data, but you'd be surprised by how many organizations that doesn't happen in. So, you know, and, and I think as leaders, at any whether you have people responsibility or not, but encouraging that is really important. So asking people and showing them examples of, okay, what is data in your role and what important how important is it? Can you bring that to the next meeting? Can you tell us? what you found by looking at this data. And for me, so I, I can talk about data in my role. So I can talk about things like the impressions, the comments, the views on my, my content, but I also have things that are hard to quantify. But I also talk about those. There could be feedback, there could be compliments that I maybe received on a talk that still is data. But then also it's my personal um, impression. And I think we we shouldn't completely dismiss gut feeling. We shouldn't just, you know, just make a decision and like, oh yeah, this feels about right. But in my role with, you know, building awareness, well, sometimes you, if you're at an event, you're not always going to have the data of how many people were in this room, but I can tell is the room half full? How much is, or how, you know, what's the perception this year versus the previous year, the same event? What's changed? So, stories also come into it. And I think if we can encourage people to bring that to meetings where it's probably the most visible situations where we talk about data, where we talk about the impact of data and where people are in a room sharing those things, um, that's going to be a really good step towards making more of it or creating more of a data culture and then tying that into communication in other formats as well. So be it emails, Talking about results, you know, whether, whether somebody sends a weekly or a monthly update, but also showcasing that externally by encouraging people to do that in whatever they share online as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that rounds it off really nicely because I think that, you know, if we talk about storytelling or we talk about presenting or, you know, whatever we're talking about, um, again, that links back to you don't have to be, you know, the best programmer in the world. You don't even necessarily need to know how to program, right? It's an appetite to learn the subject matter. Um, so Eva, look, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you, get hold of your content, um, chat about anything that they've heard from you today, what's the best way for them to to reach you? Best way is LinkedIn and Twitter. You'll find me there quite easily. And then um, you can check out my website as well. It's trymydata.com, uh, try with an I. So you'll find a bunch of stuff there as well. Nice. Oliva, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a, a real pleasure and we'll look forward to seeing how uh, your journey unfolds and um, good luck in Vegas. Thank you, Kyle. Cheers. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Bow 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 b